Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a podcast from Bright City Church. For more information, visit our website, www.brightcitychurchuk.com or find us on social media at Bright City Church UK. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Word Up. Um, my name is Ian Fawkes, pastor here at Bright City Church. I'm here with Pastor Akin, also one of the pastors here at Bright City. Lovely to have you with us, Pastor Akin, again. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, very well. Thank you very much, Pastor Reed. It's great to be back and uh, hope yeah. you're well too. <laughs> great, great stuff. Great stuff. Yes. Yes. So we're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube as well now, So, which is great. And uh, we're also, if you're listening on the podcast, welcome and thanks for joining us. We're sitting under the, the Word of God uh, here at Word Up, you know, and we know we keep saying God's word is living and active. Every word of scripture is breathed out from God. You know, it does. It has a power of its own. And um, I was reminded, in fact, of uh, in, in part of the word of God, one of the letters from Paul to Timothy, I believe it was, is, is encouraged to to the public reading of scripture. So read just reading out the scriptures and hearing the scriptures has a power. And we know, don't we? We, we know. I'm, I'm being reminded of other words here. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so we're, we're going to pick up by reading out um, these, the scriptures that we come to here. On We're going through the Gospel of Mark and we've got to um, chapter 3. And we're picking it up from verse 7. So I'm going to start, as we normally do, with reading out from verse 7 in a moment. And uh, let's just pray and thank God um, for his word. Lord, we, we do thank you for your word. And we ask you to open it up to us. We ask you to bring revelation, understanding to every one of us. Cause us to grow as we, as we learn, as we study, as we take in your word that we might live by it lord that we might know you more in jesus name amen amen great so here we go i'm going to read the word of god right through to from verse 7 to chapter 4 we just heard i'm just picking up that um the pharisees went out and they began to plot with the herodians how they might kill Jesus, that's verse 6, all the good things he was doing. And um, here we go, verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God! But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, 
that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority and to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, who he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub. By the prince of demons he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Great. Okay, it's quite a chunk, but uh, we believe we're going to get through this. Oh, we best reckon. <laughs> we have faith. Yeah, we have faith. Great. Okay, so kicking off, <clears throat> Jesus went to the light to the lake with the disciples, and this large crowd from Galilee crowded around him. They came from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions. And I was reading, Pastor Akin, that. Um, you know, the, the, the theologians were saying that that could be up to 100 miles. Some people oh. coming on foot, you know, the, from the yes. furthest distance. And, and they were coming oh. from everywhere, these crowds. And we hear, yes. don't we, of this kind of almost crushing around so that he was unable to, to really do anything or, or even yeah. perhaps for his own personal safety, had yeah. to get onto a boat and, and be pushed <laughs> out, you know, so that, he wasn't crushed or squashed when they're all grabbing and reaching for him. And we even read, don't we, in the house that um, there were so many crushing in, they couldn't even eat their meal. So um, what about all these crowds then again? We've yes. mentioned the crowds before, but uh, let's think about the crowds. Yeah. Yes, the, the crowds pressing in. I mean, it's, it's interesting that the, the, the scripture says that um, it says when they heard all that he was doing, 
you know, so they, yeah. they had heard about the works of Jesus. They had heard about the healings and the deliverance. And that was what was actually attracting the people. It was attracting the crowd. And as, we, and as you read later as well, they were actually just they, those that were sick and, you know, demon possessed. They were just trying just to touch it. They just had that. They had the faith that if I could just even just touch him, I, I, you know, I was going to be healed. And um, it's, it's quite interesting. One of the commentaries that I, that I was reading as well was just saying that, you know, as um, believers, there there is, a, if you like, a um, a warning in there for us. Yes. Because um, it says that these crowds, that these vast crowds of people that they were, that were like you've just rightly said, have been coming from like over a hundred miles away, that they were coming because of what they had heard Jesus had done, and so they just they were coming really to have their needs met. They they yes. had the need for healing. They had the need for deliverance, and and obviously Jesus was willing to do that. He, that was part of you know the call of that on his life. He had come to do that. Yes. But for us as Christians today, we have to ask ourselves this question: Do we come to the Lord just for for to have our needs met? Mm. Because there there is something obviously again the emphasis there. There's nothing wrong in that. But then that there comes a time within our in our Christian walk with the Lord that we need to go beyond just having our needs met. That we're actually coming to Him for who He is. That we're mm -hmm. coming to Him as as the King of Kings and the yes. Lord of Lords, as our Savior. You know, as the one who has made a way for us to come back to the Father. That we recognize Him to be the Son of God, who He really is, and that mission that He His mission was to reconcile us back to the Father, to make a way. He paid the price for our sins, and so that there 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 always has to be. Um, you know, where even though we are coming to the Lord and He is meeting our needs, we shouldn't forget that. We shouldn't just come to Him just for that, because we need to ask ourselves the yes. question: What if that need that we have? What if it's not met? What's going to happen? Because we read later on that the crowds began to desert Jesus as, as He yes. began to, yeah. you know, walk towards the actual, you know, mission mm. that He had come to accomplish. They began the crowds began to diminish. They began to leave Him, yeah. and I, so, I sometimes wonder if at the end mm. some of those people that were crying, crucify Him, crucify Him, were they among these crowds that been pressing in to come and? Yes. You know, have their needs met so yeah. we, we, it's a challenge for us as believers very to, good to, when we look into this yeah yes it's true and i mean um you know jesus was was on the mission to preach the gospel the good news of forgiveness that that people can be um made right with the father and receive eternal life this was the the, the crux of the message and the most important need he recognized yeah. yes physical needs and and healing of of our bodies is 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 a is an important need and of course but it's not the greatest need of man and and you know to be honest the physical healing was a sign and a miracle pointing and even a shadow of the the full healing of the person the self the spirit being reconciled with god being born of the spirit into eternal life which is what the the physical healing was pointing towards now, like you said, there's a danger that even as Christians, we can be mesmerized and fixed on these kind of the, the physical things and the manifestations and the, 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 you know, running from here and there and oh, wanting more of this and more of that and missing the, you know, the, the full life, which is like, you know, a surrendered and called purpose filled life serving God, bringing the gospel of eternity to others, you know. And yeah. so, yeah, great one there. Yeah, I fully agree yeah, amazing. with that. Yeah, it's so, quite amazing. Yeah, so... I've please. actually heard a testimony of people who've, um, you know, they, when they were not yet Christians, they, they, got, they were healed by God. God healed them. 
And, yes. um, you know, they make pledges, you know, if you heal me, I'll do this and that. And they, didn't, and they didn't fulfill those pledges. And it was only years later that they then came to give their life to Christ. And you sometimes wonder what would have happened in those intervening years if they had died. They would have been healed. They would yeah. have received their healing, but they hadn't yet, as at that time, you know, received Christ as their Lord and Savior. So, yes, they, they, we need to be careful. Yes, and um, we, we go straight into, you know, again, the demonic forces. It says whenever the evil spirits saw him, they cried out. There was this sense that there were the demonic forces all around what Jesus was doing and sort of shouting out and, and, and you know, maybe trying to interfere. And, and, and we, we think of, you know, the, the, the danger of demonic forces and the, the opposition, you know, the, the devil wanted to kill Jesus and, um, you know, what set about the plan for it. There were the demonic elements all around. You think of the, the huge pressures and distractions that, that were coming against Jesus. You think of those huge crowds, everyone, you know, hear me, hear me, help me, help me, crowding in. He could hardly move. You've got de demons and demonic forces. Ah, this is the son of God. We're going to kill him, you know. And, and you had the, the, the religious leaders plotting saying, right, we're going to plot how we kill this guy. Think of the pressure. And yet mm. Jesus stuck to his mission. You, you, you see, there's not a sense of him panicking. He must have known, you know, my, I, I can't go on forever doing this. There are forces <laughs> rising against me. He would have known his days were numbered. He knew, of course, he was going to the cross yes. as well. So, But he yes. carried on. He just carried on doing the mission. He was... You know, he was strengthened by the Spirit. And so that's, again, a lesson for us. Amen. We go yes. on. Yes. Go on. I was just going to say, Pastor, so, Please, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say your message this morning, it points to how we, we, we can live in the balance that the Lord lived in. You know, the message this morning, if, yeah. uh, for those of us listening, if you can get hold of that message, uh, obviously dated today, the 25th of April, about coming in, into the presence of the Lord. Being, we, yeah. we, we read many times the Lord drew aside to be alone with the Father. So he was in with the Father. Yes. And then out of that, he came out of that in the power of the Holy Spirit. So he had that, I believe that was the only way he was able to maintain Definitely. that balance and that focus yes. that he had in yeah. his ministry by being in the presence of the Father, coming out of that in the power of the Holy Spirit. And like you've rightly said here, with this, this um, you know, the, the, the demonic coming up, I mean, at the end of the day, the Lord showed that he had authority over those demonic spirits. Because even when they were yes. coming out and crying out, yeah, the Son of God, he says that he, he gave them strict orders. So he put them in their place. So even if they were coming to try to, you know, distract and uh, cause confusion, at the end, he, he had the final word and he put them in their space. He gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. So he, he emphasized the fact that he was the one in authority. Wonderful. Yeah. And that's thanks for saying that, because it reminds us, you know, he's, he gives us that authority and we have the same authority. We have the same protection. We have the same you know, same position seated in the heavenly realms, and we need not be afraid of the demonic forces that are around. You know, we need not to be afraid. We need not to overly focus on them. Great. So Jesus then went up the mountainside. It said he, he called to him the 12. It says, and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles. Interesting. So he called the 12. Why 12? Why not? Um, you know, why not go 25, 50? You know, surely the more, the better. Uh, we need a big army here. You know, the, the greater influence. He called the 12. What's your thoughts on the 12? Any thoughts, yes. Pastor Akin? Um, well, one thing I, I, I immediately comes, springs to mind is the, uh, you know, they had 12 apostles. There were 12 tribes of Israel. 
Yes. And um, very much so, you know, the Lord came and he says, you know, I've come to fulfill, you know, everything that God gave to the Israelites through Moses. I've come to, I haven't come to destroy that or put that aside. I've come to fulfill it. But it, but even in a greater way, you know, saying that, that that was just a shadow of the things to come. So I'm just doing this, you know, just to, to show you that, yes, yeah. I am the Jewish Messiah who has come. And, you know, as you had 12 tribes, now I'm choosing 12, if you like, leaders, elders, or you call yes. them apostles. Yes. Who represent that covenant that you know the, the that the fulfillment of that covenant so that's what they the number 12 that's what springs to mind when uh, i see that he selected 12. <laughs> great yes i think you're absolutely right there yeah i fully agree and, and i read the same in in some commentaries as well and um you know why these 12 what was special about these 12 i wonder well when we look at the 12 you know there's such a variety we can see actually that there was nothing particularly special that qualified them it seems you know he they were chosen they were chosen by the lord you know he wanted them he chose them just as the the, the word says i chose you you did not choose me i choose you and for you and me anyone listening god chooses you god chooses you to glorify himself in you and through you and uh, it's not about what you already have in your life but what God's going to do in you and with you and be glorified in you so um, yeah we can see there's such a, a, a mixed bunch there um, we were saying we were chatting earlier weren't we that um, we, yeah. we have Matthew the tax collector who was actually a collaborator of, of the Romans working for the Romans don't forget a traitor of the people and, um, you know, with the occupying power. And also you've got Simon the Zealot, who was part of this underground movement who were plotting against the occupying power. They were like from two absolute opposite camps politically. But Jesus called them together. And, and you know, in him they were unified. They, they um, you know, everything was changed in that sense. But so politically they were very different. Um, they weren't educated. That didn't qualify them. They were working men, ordinary people. And, and in the same way, he calls us ordinary folks uh, to follow him and with him change the world. Amen. Yes. It's, and it's, um, it's, yeah, go on, Pastor Rakin. No, I was going to say it's so true, uh, Pastor. It's, 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 it's just like what Paul said, not many... Uh, wise, not many noble, not many rich are called, but he uses the, the foolish things of this world to confound yeah, the yes. wise. And it's almost though he chose 12 men who, you know, in the normal sense of the word, if you think about where he was at that particular point in time, like you rightly said, with all the opposition and realizing that his time was running out. And the fact that when he left, these were going to be the 12 men who were going to be entrusted to carry on the work yeah. that he was starting. And yet, when you when you look at the twelve men, they, they were so disparate. They were so like, how is on earth yeah. are these twelve men going to be able to work together? Then you, you I mean, throwing that mix, you had James and you had John. You know, the sons of thunder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these were two. You wouldn't mess with these two guys. I mean, and then it's like the Lord just brought them all together. Just put them. It's like he almost cobbled them together. He jumbled them together. But again, we see the key here. When he went up on the mountainside to pray. I mean, in one of the other gospels, it said that he spent all night in prayer before he came down from the mountain and then he selected the 12. So it must have been directly from the father saying, no, these yes. are the 12 that, that I have chosen. And Judas was one of them as well. <laughs> yes, Judas. So so how could he, how would he choose one that um, he would have known that he was going to betray him, wouldn't he? And yeah, yes, I, I, and we know, yes. we can see throughout the gospel that, um, 
you know, he did know. He he knew even before he went and left the place to to actually commit the you know the awful sin of of betraying him. So, what's your yeah. take on um, why would he choose Judas? It's a, yes, very, very interesting. When I, I looked through, you know, different comedies to try and find that, there's lot, lots of obviously there's lots of different uh, viewpoints, but yes. the one that I think that. Um, you know, it stands because it's based on scripture is that it was for, so that the word of God might be fulfilled. You know, the word had spoken yeah. about, you know, yeah. a son of perdition, you know, yeah. a son of destruction. They get different names had given to him. And one is, as it, as I think it's in Psalm is it 40, uh, verse 90, when it says um, that the, the one who has dipped, you know, his hand in the plate will betray me. You know, so yeah. this was yeah. it was for the fulfillment of scripture. And, um, you know, it doesn't make sense to our human reasoning why, you, why we would do that. But um, that, yes, it's so that the, that the scripture would be fulfilled. That, that, that's the reason why Judas had to be one of those, one yes. of those 12 chosen ones. Thanks. Yeah, wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, it says there that he appointed designating them apostles. Here's an interesting word. And that, that apostles comes from the, the Greek word apostolos. Meaning set, you know, comes from the the the, um, the root of the word means sent. So sent ones, they would be sent, and and we know he's going to say to them, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now go into all the world and preach the good news. So they're going to be the sent ones, and um, you know, there's a lot of belief out there in 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 the church as a whole that the apostles, you know, were were for. The birth of the church, there were 12 apostles and there have never been any more apostles. And that was it. And, and yet, um, you know, the, 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 the gift of apostle and the role of apostle has seen a resurgence and a rebirth mm. in recent, um, recent times. You know, the modern day apostles have arisen. There's a lot of controversy about, um, you know, modern day apostles. Uh, are they true apostles? Is it a, a right thing? I believe that, yes, there are. Yeah, yeah, the, the office of apostle is for the whole history of the church, not just for the beginning of time. Um, and I, in fact, did a master's dissertation that really looked at this. And um, so I studied it quite a bit. And right, right the way you think of the 12 apostles, we know Paul comes on the scene writing the epistles and he's an apostle. He, he makes it quite clear. I am an apostle called by God and sent by him. So that makes 13 right from the outset. He talked about Apollos, who, you know, one of his fellow apostles. And, and he, was, he was talking in the letter Corinthians, I believe, about the marks of an apostle, what an apostle looks like. And he talked about how you recognize true apostles, you know, coming when they visit the churches. You know, there are true apostles, there are false apostles, and these are the characteristics of them. Now, if the only apostles were these designated people that have just been mentioned by name, the whole lot of them, then you wouldn't have to describe the the characteristics of true and false apostles uh, yes. because everyone would have known, well, he, here is the identity of the 12 apostles, guys. Anyone else turns up, it, it ain't, you know, they're not an apostle. <laughs> so, so no, apostles are, and we've seen, you know, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit um, in, in the, the charismatic movement, the Pentecostal movement, the revival and re-emerging of the gifts of leadership. You know, in Ephesians 4, it says, he gave gifts uh, for the building and maturing of the church, leadership gifts, um, the gift of apostle, the gift of prophet, pastor, teacher. And so I can't go on too long about this subject, but 
I believe the gift of apostle is for today. Let's carry on anyway. So we had the list of the 12 apostles and Judas. And then <coughs> it says that Jesus entered the, a house. And again, it was so crowded that they couldn't eat. Um, they were so squashed. So we, we again have this picture of squashed on every side. They can't even eat their food. And it says when his family heard about it, and, and some um, of the translations say friends or people, own people or relatives, when they went to take charge of him or other translations say to restrain him, to take hold of him. And they said of him, he is out of his mind. So here we've got, and, and, and later on in the passage that we read, we hear that, you know, Jesus' mother and brothers actually arrived and they were outside and they sent someone in. You know, you, your mother and brothers are outside. And so what, what about this with, um, with Jesus' family and friends coming and, and actually saying that Jesus, the Son of God, who'd grown up with them, was out of his mind in what was yes. going on. What, what's your take on this, Pastor Akin? Amazing. Yes, I, I just I just look at it in the in the context of probably what they were what they were seeing about mm. the, in the, the transformation of his life. You know, yeah. we, we we've read how he he um, you know um, that incident when he was twelve years old and uh, he was in um, you know he was found you know teaching amongst the elders in, yes. in the church, the leaders, and his parents were looking for him. And it says in, in one of, you know, in the, um, uh, in the gospels that he went back to, to um, home with his parents and he learned to be obedient. And so I think during, during that time, they had, they had a certain picture of Jesus. You know, he was obviously obedient. He was, I, I, I'm making the example that he was very good. He was kind, he was yes, gentle. Yes, yes. And this was the picture that they had of him. Yeah. And then I, I believe that, you know, he was baptized, you know, John baptized him and the voice came from heaven. Then the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. And then when he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit, Wow. He went into the temple, and we hear in in, um, in in Luke's gospel. I mean, he makes a declaration that when he opens up the book of Isaiah, and he says, "You know, this this scripture is now fulfilled in your hearing." You're the one who has come to restore sight to the blind, the one who has come to set the captives free, to preach the gospel, to teach the kingdom. And I believe that from this moment onwards, they begin to see a different Jesus, don't they? They begin to see a Jesus who, everywhere he's talking about preaching the gospel, you know, teaching the kingdom of God. There are people getting healed. There are miracles taking place. Crowds are following him everywhere. And all of a sudden, you know, you can imagine his his family. And you know, Pastor, this is a this is a, a lot like what our lives are like when we first became Christians. You know, we were going down a certain pathway, weren't we? We were doing certain things with certain people, and all of a sudden we're like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not, you know, whatever it was we would do, I'm not smoking anymore, I'm not drinking anymore, I'm not partying anymore. And people begin to think, you know, what's what's wrong with you? And it's like you start going to church, start reading this big Bible, people yeah. go off to Bible school, and with the Lord, it was like I think he must have given up whatever he was doing, whether it was the business of the, the, the family business of carpentry or whatever he was doing. Oh, yes, he must have yes. given all of that up yeah. probably wasn't living at home anymore was going from one place to the other they never knew who he wasn't and now they've come to this place where it's like look they've probably been talking about this this i can see them discussing this. what is the matter with him why is yeah he, what, he's just a, a totally different person they talk differently he acts differently and you know the, all this fame this celebrity everyone's coming from everywhere and they're like no he, he must there's something wrong and they you know they, there's this demonic activity as well they're like there's something wrong here. Let's just get hold of him, like they said, like you said. Let's just restrain, let's grab him, let's just take him home and bring yeah. him back home and get back the Jesus that we knew, you know, the one who was, you know, kind and helpful and always so gentle and whatever it was he was before. And that's what sometimes they want to do. People, our family and loved ones, they want to do that with us as well. They want to say, look, stop all this 
going to church and talking about Jesus all the time and all of this sort of stuff and just come back. We want we want the old person back, the one yes, who yeah. says and behave this way. And I, and I see that a lot of that was happening here with, with Jesus and his family. Yes, the, the anointing, you know, changes us. The, the Holy yeah. Spirit coming upon us changes us, doesn't it? And I think, um, yes. you know, can make us into a, a new person, a different person. Well, absolutely, you are born again. You are born anew. Yes. Um, there, there is that sense. But yes, I mean, I remember when I became a Christian and, you know, I, I was straight down to my mum, dad, my brothers, my brother, rather, I've only got one, and saying, you know, you've got it. Wow, take this. You know, take this. This is the elixir of eternal life. It's incredible, you know. And they, yeah, 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 another, another fad, you know. Okay, right, fair enough. And, and, and all that. And, and then, but you see, I was in a relationship with a girl at the time, was living with her and and, um, you know, because of, I became a Christian and we immediately sort of, she went to my grandmother's, you know, I said, oh, you better go to my granny's, you know, we can't sleep together now. Sort of thing. <laughs> she came with me to, um, to the Billy Graham thing and, and even um, made the decision to commit and we said, right, you know, let's, we knew instantly, I hadn't been taught anything by, by well, but yeah, we knew amazing, it wasn't yes. right and, and so she went to my grand's. But it didn't work out, you know. She didn't feel the same way as me about, um, you know, what what had what she'd done. There wasn't that real transforming kind of, I suppose. And so we had different plans. And, and and as it came, God brought it about, and and just seemed to separate us. And and I I wrote to my dad and mum and to to explain what had happened, and you know, because of my faith and everything. And my dad wrote to me. And he wrote me this long letter. He, he said, you know, you need to see a psychiatrist. <laughs> he said, don't, don't contact me again. You know, your mother and I are this, that, and the other. Yeah, it was an absolute, you know, you need to see a psychiatrist. You know, and there was a rejection there. It was, it was, it's funny. It is funny. But thank God, you know, we were reconciled down the line. Yeah. But yes, again, yeah. this thing about yeah. he is out of his mind. Mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> And so I'm just laughing because I had this similar experience with my, my dad as well when I wrote it, to them. Did you? I, wrote, I wrote to yeah, my parents as well. Yeah. And uh, you know, my dad says, you know, what he the word that he used, he didn't he didn't say I was out of my money, he says um that see this is a bit fanatical, is what is that's the yes. word he used. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fanatical, that's right, yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Okay, so we carry on. And it says, though, Jesus, oh, yeah, then the, the teachers of the law then started to say, he's possessed by Beelzebub, meaning the devil, and by the prince by, of demons, the devil, he's doing this stuff. He's driving out demons because it's the devil's in him, and he's doing it by the, and, and Jesus immediately said, you know, he spoke to them, said, how can, you know, Satan drive out his own? He's not going to, you, you know, he, he presents the logic of it. Come on, don't be ridiculous. Why would, why would Satan be doing these good deeds of healing people? Why would Satan be, you know, um, setting people free from demons when his whole plan is to demonize them and bind them up and, 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 and spoil their lives? And he was making it very obvious that, you know, that's ridiculous. And um, makes the point there, if a house is divided against itself, it cannot stand. Yes. We've got the good... I um, think that's a, a little sort of comment on again the importance of unity and 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 the the um, you know the danger of division there, but um, you know he goes on to say that he then says I tell you the truth all sins 
and blasphemies of men will be forgiven. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. He's, he's referring there. What they're doing is so dangerous and, and awful by calling what is godly and good satanic. And being so hardened that they would you know, say this is of the devil. That, that they're at risk of you know, never being forgiven. They, they, someone who does that. Uh, is guilty of an eternal sin. So here we have this phrase of, you know, the unforgivable sin, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. And I know, and we mentioned this earlier, didn't we, Pastor Akin, that, yeah, you know, sometimes right. coming as, becoming a Christian, we can hear about this, oh, the unforgivable mm -hmm. sin. And you, you might start to get a bit afraid. Well, you know, I, I hope I've not committed the unforgivable sin. And what is it? I need to make sure I know what it is so I make sure I never do it, you know. And What's your uh, understanding of this sort of unforgivable sin, the blasphemy yes, of yes, the Holy Pastor. Spirit? So, let's say, but just before, just before I touch on that, I just want Please, to also yeah. just say, you know, the other example that Jesus Christ gave about this, um, the whole thing about casting the devil out, when he says that, except you bind the strong man, you oh, yes, yeah. you know, plunder his goods. And he's just, again, I think he was just, just to emphasize that again, he's re-emphasizing the authority that he had. That he was the only way that he was able to cast these demons out is that he first of all had bound the strong man. So whatever, whatever demonic uh, uh, you know activity there was, he had taken authority over that, and then he had set the people free. So he was again telling them, listen, not only is this not being done by by the devil because he would otherwise he would be divided against himself, but the one that he's doing it has more power than the, than, the, than the demon that was holding that person captive. So he was telling them again. Brilliant. The yes, wonderful. <laughs> Thanks. And also another yes. reminder to us. That yes. even we, you know, we have the power to bind demonic forces. And it says, you know, in other places, whatever you bind here on earth will be bound for you in heaven. Whatever you request to be bound, you know, in the spiritual realm, whatever you loose will be loosed for you in the in the heavenly, in the spiritual realm. So, yeah, amen. good. Thank yes, you for amen. reminding us of that. Yes. Amen. So coming to this, this sin, I, I mean, like you rightly said, I, I actually remember as well that as a young Christian as well reading this, you know, I was kind of like frightened. I was tough. I was like, well, what is this? sin that Jesus Christ has said that, you know, it's unforgivable. And, um, you know, as you rightly pointed out earlier, and we were discussing this, you know, I think that, and this is just make for our listeners, you know, just for you to be reassured, is that the, the mere fact that if when you read something like that, and uh, there is like a fear of God, you know, what is this? I don't, I don't want this, um, you know, whatever this sin is, I want to make sure I steer clear of it. The fact that you, you have that, um, you know, if you like the conscience, or you have that conviction of the spirit, that in itself, is is uh, is is a sign that you haven't committed that sin. Yeah. You know, because the, the mere fact that you you are aware of that and you are conscious of not wanting to upset God, not wanting to offend God in any way, and certainly not wanting to commit this this sin, that in itself, take that as a reassurance that yes, you haven't committed the sin. And and I was actually reading a commentary was just saying that even at this point in time, these teachers had not as of yet they hadn't committed that sin as well, but that Jesus was giving them a warning. That there was, yes. a, that, they, that they shouldn't think that, you know, because they were children of Abraham or they were, they believed in, in the covenant that Moses had given to the children of Israel, that they will be exempt from being, you know, separated eternally from God is what, what the, the Lord is actually pointing out here. Because he said, that etern he mentioned, that, um, you know, eternal, they will not be forgiven forever, you know, yeah. and um you know, he he was he re-emphasized it, but at, at that point, uh, the, the commentators read that they hadn't actually committed that sin, but it was a warning for them that they, what they were they what they were stepping yeah, into yeah. by saying, you know, you're doing this by the, the, the by the devil by Satan, you're stepping, you're 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 walking down the pathway 
of a sin which has no forgiveness. So it was a warning to them at that yeah. point. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was also reading in the comments, like, you know, what is the work of the Holy Spirit? You know, in, 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 in John's um, gospel, it says that he, the Holy Spirit has come to bring conviction of sin, yes, of yes. righteousness and of judgment. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So yeah. when the Holy Spirit is doing that work, yeah. uh, you know, one of the, those work is, is to convict us of, of um, sin. Yes, and yes. these teachers were there, weren't they? They were being convinced yeah, of their sin. They, they could see the handiwork of God, yeah. but they were saying that it was the work of the devil. And yeah, the, that's you know, right. yes. even through the word that mm. Jesus was sharing with them, they should have been convicted of that sin. And it's when we begin to harden our hearts that's against, right. you know, the spirit's yes. conviction, you know, yes. especially yes. people yes. who haven't even, <clears throat> I beg your pardon, who haven't actually come into the kingdom. They have not actually received Jesus. And the Lord is speaking to them. You know, the Holy Spirit is yes. convicting them, you know, to give their life to Christ. And they continue to harden their hearts, harden their hearts. And we, as yes. we see what's happened with the religious leaders here, you know, they keep seeing the works of God, but they kept on hardening their hearts for whatever mm. reason. They were hardening their hearts and they kept resisting, resisting, resisting yes. until they became the instruments of the devil themselves yes. to yes. Um, work alongside the, the, you know, the Romans. Um, dictators to have the Lord crucified. So it, it, it's a it's a warning, you know. But like you've rightly said, it's not something that as believers that we should be afraid of. The fear of God is a good thing. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. So when we read the Word of God and that fear, which is a respect of God and His words and of His laws, it's a good thing for us to have that because that helps us to you know to make sure that we're watching our ways, we're, we're bringing our lives and, right. and our actions before yeah. God, and making sure that our hearts are not hardened as well. That's right. Yeah. Anyone who would ask the question, oh, you know, I, I, have, I, have I committed the unpardonable sin? You know, the, the, the person who, who is in that state would, wouldn't even ask that question, wouldn't be bothered about their relationship with God. Um, and, and, and we see that, um, you know, it, you, you're talking about that hardening against and that, that, that um, resisting the, the Holy Spirit, getting to a place where you're calling good evil and calling evil good and we can see around you know even in society people can get so um hard and stubborn proud and, and kind of lost that they're calling evil good and good evil and yeah it's a, it's a dangerous thing to do uh, i i i think of one of the proverbs where you know if it says um if if, if you if you do evil to someone who is doing you good then you know this, you're in serious serious trouble with God. Forget the exact wording of it, but you know it's a similar sort of thing. You know to to be you know harming people who are doing you good. Good. But yeah. So then we we finish off again on this chapter where Jesus's mother and brothers do turn up, mm. and uh, someone goes in to say, you know, they're outside. Your your mum and brothers are outside, uh, and he said, "Who are my mother and brothers?" And he looked around at those who were with him, those who were following him, those who were, he said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Though here, again, we have the, the, the sort of the relationship to God, you know, and, and, and looking at Scripture right through Scripture, the, the, the testimony and the, the kind of the heart of Scripture, family is right up there. Right, you know, God is the God of family. He's He's invented family. He He's um, brought family to us as a gift, and He wants us to honor. You know, it's one of the Ten Commandments: honor your mother and father. Wow, if we just obeyed that, you know, society would be so different. 
It says, you know, if you if you don't care for your family members, you're worse than the sinners, you know, and, and in their practical needs and things. So God is very much about honoring and loving the family. Absolutely. God is the, you know, the, 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 the uh, initiator of that. But what he's saying here is that compared to being obedient to God, to being submitted to God, surrendered to God, serving God, knowing God, you know, God comes first. And, and if, if the family is opposing, you know, you coming to God, then, you know, it, it's as if that those who are your fellow saints who have also are more like your family than, than those, you know, when your family is opposing your being a Christian, a bit like we were talking about earlier. He says, you know, and, and when we become Christians, you, you know, we can understand one another. We have a deep connection, love one another as I have loved you. You know, we're to live our life together. It's the, the greatest commandment is to love God and love one another as, as ourselves. And so with these bond, the bond of the church, the bond of the people of God is very deep and very great. And we can have incredible relationships where we understand one another deeply. If you, you can have a family member who is opposed to your Christian war and doesn't get any of it. And, and you know, and, and it's difficult to, to have that deep connection with that person because they, they can't understand the very heart of a pulsating beat of your life. But you can have your brother and sister here and there. And thank God, you know, when we have a spouse who is also a believer, because they understand, we understand the, the beating pulse of our life and heart. We both love God. God is the center of our life together. If you're listening and your partner isn't yet a believer, don't be concerned. You know, God has a plan. He's called you to himself. And and he's, you know, the fact that he's called you means, I believe, you know, he's calling your partner as well. And he says, you know, there's, there's examples in scripture when you and your household will be saved. There's something about as you become a Christian, you come under the blessing, favor and covering of your home and your family. And there's the, the influence of Jesus in your life will be an influence to your partner. And so, you know, pray for your partner if you're married. But if we're starting out, we probably don't want to be choosing, well, we definitely don't want to be choosing someone who is not a believer purposefully because, um, you know, we're, we're inviting these troubles. So, yes, um, you know, when we talk about this true connection, the family of God. What, what are your thoughts on that, Pastor? Yes, absolutely, yes. Uh, I mean, Pastor, you can, you can just see that even right from the, the beginning of creation, God is, it's, it's so amazing. God has, he has everything. He can do anything that he chooses to. And yet it's almost like the re relationship is all, it's always at the heart of everything that he does, even from the beginning of creation, when he says, come, let us, you know, it's the Father, the yes. Son, and the Holy yes. Spirit. Let, let us make man in our own image and likeness and creating the world for that man. And then even with the man, he's saying, it's not good for him to be alone, so let's create, you know, a helpmate for him. And then, you know, they, they begin to have children. Like you've rightly said, the family, really, it's, 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 it's almost at the heart of God relationships. And, and yes. um, even the Ten Commandments is always about our relationship with God and then our relationship with one another. You know, all of yes. these yes. other commandments, mm -hmm. not murder, do not yeah. convert yeah. your, yeah. you know, it's all about, you know, taking care of, you know, your, your, your neighbor, yeah. the person, you know, not stealing from them, do not, all yeah. of these things, even when we tell us not to lie, everything 
it's Definitely. all about you know that relationship with 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 our fellow human being. But like you've rightly said, the relationship with God is the central one that we that we um, you know that we should cherish, and that's the one that we should pursue with all of our heart. And it's, it's just amazing when you're talking about the family of God. It's like you, you can go anywhere in the world. I think we've mentioned this before. Almost anywhere in the world, can't you? In this day and age, yes. uh, as a believer, and you so will good. find a member of your family somewhere yes. in the world. Yes. It's amazing. You you can't do that with your natural family, but with your with your with your heavenly family, with your spiritual family, you can go almost anywhere. I believe almost any nation in the world now. Yeah, and there will be believers. And there's that connection, isn't yeah. there? You know, they could exactly. be an Indian, they could be you yeah. know, South American. They might not speak a yeah. word of your language, and yet there's, there's a connection. There's a love. There's a, you know, an incredible yes. connection. Yeah, yeah. And I'll so finish off by I know we're coming to to the end of our time, but when the Holy Spirit came down, you know, we see here you had Mary. And Jesus's brothers and he had sisters as well. You know, they were there and, he, you know, where is he? He's out of his mind and this, that and the other. And so they obviously uh, something needs to happen. But when the Holy Spirit came on the 120 at the day of Pentecost, we know that Jesus's mum was there. Mary was there. Jesus's brothers and sisters were there. They were anointed. They were brought into they were born again and brought into the family of God. And even James, his brother, became the leader of the church, the first church, the newborn church. So uh, God has a plan even for our, he loves our earthly families more than we do. And, and he loves yes, family. Yes. But um, it's just making that point that uh, if you put God first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else. All these things will be added. Everything else will fall into place. Amen. I think that's a good point to finish off. We've yes. got to uh, chapter four. <laughs> Pastor Rakin, as always, yes. it's been such a pleasure having you. Thanks thank you for your much, input. Pastor. And yes, thank you, everyone. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for joining us. been great to have you with us. And uh, have a wonderful week. And we will see you next week as we carry on in chapter four. And, uh, you know, we, we are, we're talking to others um, we, we know Ben Aldis is, is on the team, on the Word Up team, and he, he's had a bit of time out. We can't wait for Ben to be back on, and there's others we've been talking to as well. So we're looking forward to having, you know, a bit of a mixed team, taking it in turns. So God bless you all. Have a great uh, week. Thanks, Pastor Akin. Thank you, Pastor Bye. Bye. See you, everyone.